0: Good morning one and all, how are you this morning? Look at you all instinctively knowing to sit down, well done, congratulations. Uh, those of you who are online, you can sit down too, because I'm sure you were standing. Um, anyway, welcome everybody, I'm Julia, I'm in charge of uh, the youth, the youth, and we went back on uh, Friday night and it was a super fun time, so shout out to all you young people, um, thanks for coming along, I had a good time, good Friday night. Uh, We are, as Viv said, we are continuing on with our Onwards Together series, Um, uh, where I'm introducing the series. That's what I'm doing. Come on, Julia. This is basic stuff. Uh, So moving together, Onwards Together, kind of coming out of 2020 and all that was. And figuring out how do we, as a body of believers, uh, head onwards into 2021 together? Um, What does that look like for us as we can now gather together together again, as our ministries are getting back together again, um, as we're doing all of this together again, but we're doing it in a new way with some new insights, um, what does that look like for us? I've got a little activity to start us off this morning because you know me, like to spice things up. Um, it's called looking through the window. Doo, 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 doo. Wow. Okay, so you're going to see it's a very easy game, right? And I know none of you like to, like, none of you are as outgoing as me and just like to yell out in the middle of church. Uh, so you can just do it with the people around you, you know, and just be like, oh, I know what that is. And the first one of you who guesses it on you. But they're really easy, so you have to be quick, okay? Um Some of you aren't going to do it, but that's okay. You know me. We're going to do this anyway. Okay, first one. You have to guess what it is. Let's have a look. Oh, it's a party. Excellent. Well done. Okay, next one. Christmas. And I typed in when I was looking for it, Australian Christmas, so it wasn't one of those cheesy American photos, but it, like, genuinely looks like, yeah, that's Aussie. Um, Okay, next one. School lunch. They're eating school lunch. Yep. Okay, next one. Office meeting, there's a little bit of food there. You, there's, there's, they're sharing meals. Oh, okay. Um, okay, next one. Macca's is. Mac is run. Yeah, that's right. For those of you with your 11 p.m. nugget runs, um, there's a, there's a Macca's run. So, all of these, right, are in the, as soon as you look at them, you know what's happening and you also have an indication of the nature of the relationship, that those people share just like we we just know these things as human beings and as in, in human society the birthday party is friends and family you know, the Christmas lunch is our extended family. The, the school and the work lunches are people we do these things with and, and maybe we wouldn't naturally have lunch with them or sit with them, but we kind of have to. And there is a, there's a relationship there. And then our Maccas run, you know. That's always like just a bit of a funsies thing at the end of the day. So... It tells us, it indicates how we engage, like we know how we engage and interact in people, interact with certain people in our groups, right? Uh, The nature of our relationships. And all those people in all those scenes are having a pretty good time. As we know, it is good to be in community together. It is good to be together uh, doing things, uh, that's really nice. And I think that's especially true. We know that, especially after last year. It is good to be together. So, today we are going to look through the windows of the nature of the relationship. Uh, that Paul and Timothy, but mostly Paul, had with the people in Philippi, right? The people in, in the, Philipp- the Philippians in the church in Philippi, right? The nature of their relationship and how, how that might give us some insight on what it looks like for us moving onwards together as a community. So let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, help us to stop, be still. Listen and think deeply about this part of your word, the Bible, and what it might have to teach, correct, encourage, or train each of us and us collectively as a group of people together in righteousness. Help us to do this today, this morning, online, wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's get into the Bible. Uh, So, we're looking at Philippians. We're looking at Philippians 1, verses 3 to 11, okay, and... uh what let's, let's just paint a picture because we're just diving into this book uh, just out of the blue. Uh, so we've got Paul, Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament. He's in jail again. Oh, Paul, you're in jail again. Uh, and uh, he was, he's in jail for speaking about Jesus, classic Paul. This time, he is actually under the threat of being killed, right? Um, so he's a, a threat of being killed. He's, he's suffering. He's being persecuted. Uh, the Philippian church. Right? Are these people in Philippi? They know Paul. They're, they're, he's, there, he's been their pastor. He's been their missionary. He's been their teacher. He's been their friend. They've been with him for a long time. They, they, they've suffered with him. They've been persecuted with him. They've trialed with him. They've had joy with him. Um, and they hear about him in jail, right? And they're just like, oh man, our man Paul is in jail. We've got to do something to help him, you know? Like he's he's suffering right now and kind of you know it, this is the equivalent of like when we were in 2020 and we like sent uber vouchers to people because we couldn't see them we're like let's try do something for these guys we can't get there ourselves because they're stuck in philippi and he's in jail but we need to figure out how we can support him where he is right now so they send um epaphroditus Right? They send this guy Epaphroditus with some money um, and then also all of their best wishes and their prayers and then that personal, physical encouragement and they go, we can't all go, but we're sending Epaphroditus to you, Paul, and, and we really hope he, he can kind of bless you uh, in, in this place where you are right now. How awesome is that? How lovely is that to see that type of relationship? Um, so, Paul writes this letter back to the Philippians, not because, you know, like they're the problem child and they're doing all these things wrongs like some of the other letters, but because he just has the opportunity. Epaphroditus is going home again after, after going to see him, and he's just like, excellent, cool, I'm going to take this chance, I'm going to send this letter home with, with Epaphroditus to, to speak to my friends back in Philippi. Um, and this is, where, this is where he writes this letter. So when, when it starts, he says to them, I thank my God every time I remember you. And that's what, this is what I love about the Bible. It's, it's not just words on a page. It, it's actually insights into people's lives and how God was at work within them. And then because the Holy Spirit was at work within them, we kind of get like to be blessed because of the nature of their, what's going on there. And thanks to Acts chapter 16, we actually get a picture of the real people who were in this church. There's Epaphroditus, yes. There's Eurodia and Synchrotia. I didn't practice that one. Lydia and her family, the jailer and his family and others. And, and I love that we would be able to say this about our church. Like, I'm going to use the people on stage because they're easy, right? But like, Glenda and Ian and Viv and her family and Jesse and his family. Like, actually, we, the Bible says the people who were in the church and, and Paul is speaking to them because he loves them. So he remembers these people and he says, I thank my God every time I remember you guys. And then he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So that memory that he has of them encourages him and forces him to pray. And that prayer is filled with joy because of who they are and how they matter to him. Paul is thankful every time. Uh, so it, it then goes on to verses five to eight. Because of your, and it, it explains in five to eight. Why is thankful, right? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains, defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is why he is thankful for them. And then after he says why he's thankful for them, because verse 3 is kind of that, I'm thankful. He explains why. And then he goes, that thankfulness leads me to prayer. And then verse, in verses 9 to 11, he explains what he prays. And he goes, it. it Um, because of... uh, where I should should just read this. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of the Lord, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So these are the things he then prays for them. Where I want to sit today in this kind of body of text, is at verse 8, right? So verse 8 is just at the end of that first section when he says, I am thankful for you guys. And then he explains why he is thankful them, and then he prays it. Why he is thankful? Verse 8 says, God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul's uh, thankfulness, right, is coming from this affection of Christ Jesus. The the affection of Christ Jesus is the source of his gratitude and joy for them. And it's the way in which he is grateful and joyful for them, even in the midst of his suffering. And this affection of Christ Jesus is what then leads him onto the next section, which is to pray. So it's all rooted in this affection of Christ Jesus that he has for them. Okay. So let's figure out uh, what this affection for Christ Jesus means. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm not the best at spelling and grammar sometimes, uh, which is probably good why I talk and you don't read my notes. Um, But also, like, when I talk verbally as everybody talks verbally, I'm not very good at that either. So I say things like capsicum and Matt Damon and demons, and some of you aren't going to pick up on that, but my husband realises that it's not capsicum, it's capsicum. And then now I have a child, so I've got to be really attentive, like say capsicum, because otherwise Charlie's going to be saying capsicum, and that's really awkward. And Matt Damon is Matt Damon, not Damon, and daemond is not demoned; it's demons. And that's going to be really important when I preach, because everyone's going to be like, what's a demon? I'm like, yeah, I'm really sorry, guys. I don't know why I put a D on the end of it. I just do. Um, so, anyway, that's very hilarious. That is one of my affectionate quirks, right? Glenn actually is very entertained by that fact of me, and we've been married a long time, but he still just has this little sneaky smile on his face, like, Julia, you're such a dork. Oh my God, I'm trying. I really do, but it just slips out. Um, so, there's this uh, an affectionate quirk, right? In order to understand the affection of Christ, we're going to break down what human affection is and then figure out what Christ's affection is. Okay. It's actually to understand affection, it's it's a little bit tricky, right? You can't really look at a definition. It's a part of love, right? It it's a part of love. Love is a multifaceted thing and affection is one part of it. Affection is not it's not romantic. It's not charity, and it's not friendship, um, and the best way, one of the most common ways of describing ha- what is affection, it's like when there is a baby crying, and the grandpa goes in, and and the picks up the baby, goes, "Oh, sweetie, what's wrong?" You know that action is affection. Affection is also found in m- making someone a cup of tea every night, you know, without them asking. Um, it's the kissing of a, of a kid's finger when they've cut it. It's putting special treats into lunchboxes. I think in Australia, particularly, af- affection is, um, often manifests, manifests itself in jokes. When someone gets their license and they start driving, you say, oh, everyone should stay off the roads. There's actually affection in that uh, because affection doesn't seek to wound, humiliate or domineer. But it just genuinely and gently loves and celebrates the quirks and oddities in people. That's how we show our affection for one another. Stop and think for a second. How do you show your affection? It's all very personal, you know? It's just little things. How do people show affection for you? Um, And then in groups of people who have affection for one another, they are really lovely, warm, welcoming, familiar environments. You know, they're they're friendly, kind, genuine environments to be in. When people are showing affection in all those small ways, they're actually really nice places to be. So that's how we describe human affection. How do we describe the affection of Christ? Because... Sorry, Jesus never made me a cup of tea. Um, I think, again, you can't define it with, like, a dictionary definition, but we have to look at the scriptures and see the ways Jesus relates to his people. When Jesus, like, dismisses the disciples because they try to shoo the kids away, he goes, no, guys, these kids, the kingdom of God is, like, is theirs. And, and then when he washes the disciples' feet, yes, it's a big theological point and it's about servant leadership, but it's also because his, his friend's feet are tired and sore and dirty and he wants to care for them. It's when Jesus looks down compassionately at the woman who he's washing, washing his feet with, his, with her tears. It's when he looks at, like, the frazzled, angry Martha, you know, working really hard, and he goes, Martha... Mary has chosen what's better. As he looks up with a smile at Zacchaeus and goes, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house for lunch today. And when he weeps when Lazarus dies, it's these caring, gentle love of Jesus who fully knows, who fully understands and is familiar with the ways of his followers. So Paul says to the people in Philippi who he knows and he understands, he says, God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, little note here. The Bible doesn't say like the affection of Christ Jesus, meaning in a similar way to Jesus, I love you, like I'm affectionate like that. It says with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is significant because it means Paul has been invited to join Jesus in his affection for these people. Uh, It is not Paul's love for him or his human affection in which he is loving them, but it is the divine affection through which Paul is loving them. Now, this is important because human affection runs out. We are imperfect, we falter, we get frustrated, we get tired, we get annoyed, we get busy. There are people we don't know, we don't want to be affectionate to them because that's awkward. Like, there, there is this sense in which human affection has a point, an end point. Divine affection has no end point. Jesus fully knows and understands everyone. He loves them perfectly in every scenario. So it's this divine affection, this all-knowing Christ's affection in which um, Paul then engages. And through that mystery of God dwelling within us, Jesus dwelling within us, it is that source through which Paul then loves these people. And that gives him thankfulness and joy and defines the nature of their relationship. So way back yonder, I'm getting on in years, Um, in my early 20s, I went to two churches at one time, one was on a Saturday night, one was on a Sunday, Uh, the Saturday night one was mega small, it was like 20, 30 of us, it was a Pentecostal church in the western suburbs because I'm from the west, Um, and uh, yep we it was like it's it's like such an odd group of people like it was like the weirdest group of people all from the western suburbs like old and young a mother and a daughter and then me and like my random two friends and this old guy and anyway the pastor there was one of those guys who just knew everyone's name and knew everyone's relative the first time, like you said, oh, my brother's names, my sister's names, he'd just remember. And he was one of those really great pastoral carey guys, just loved people really well um, and would take people under his wing. So he ended up taking uh, these two boys, I think they were in his court or somewhere nearby. He was in a rough part of the West, right? And these two teenage boys, maybe like year eight and year ten, um under his wing and they started coming along to church. They, I don't know where their parents were. I think it's one of those their parents aren't around type things. Um, they were involved in some gangs and they were rough boys. Uh, but, yeah, they were starting to look into Christianity and um, they, were, they, were being, they were being taken care of and, and really invited into a family. Uh, so this being a small church, we would go out to dinner on a Saturday night. We'd go to La Porchetta. Um, And we'd all sit down at the table and order pizza. And I just remember, and I'll never forget, the eldest boy, um, he said to us as we were sitting eating dinner, um, like pizza after church, he goes, we used to walk past those windows and look in and kind of wish, wouldn't that be nice, you know, sit at a table with family? And now we're here. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Our communities, our churches, our, our families, they form these tables. And when, and, and when Christ is the head and we're governed by his affection, it, it changes the culture of what those tables are. They are warm, fun, enjoyable groups of people to belong to, but they are forgiving, they're kind, they're loving, and not in a human finite sense, but in an enduring divine sense. When people look at our, our churches, at our ministries, at our gatherings, at our families, they should be able to look through the windows and say, hey, wouldn't that be nice? I love going to youth. Um, And and I love going to Christian camps because I really feel like they're they're just amazing places to be. Like our Wednesday night hubs and our women's ministries and, and our churches, hopefully this is what they feel like. Hopefully coming to church feels like that. It's joyful. It's grateful. We're thankful to be here when Christ is the head of our table. We've got two howevers though. However, to those of you who now are sitting at the table, you're there, you're here, Christ is the head, you've got your community around you. And then I've got one for those who are looking in. Sometimes our Christian communities look like socially distanced restaurants. A little bubble here, a little bubble there, a little bubble here, a little bubble there. Sometimes it's really hard to sit down. Sometimes they look empty, (laughs) like like the shutters are closed, you know, that there's a, a, I'm sorry, this restaurant is full sign. You know, we're having a great time in here, but there's really no room. Uh, That's harsh, but it feels that way in here sometimes. To those at the table... I want you to encourage you to look up. Look out for who's looking in. I want to encourage you to make room. Make sure there's a spare chair. And for those of you who are really good at that, like you are naturally great at hospitality and welcoming, I want you to nudge the person next to you and say, hey, move over. <laughs> you know, I want, you've got to help some of us. Some of us, like, you know, we're too distracted. And it's like, no, look, hey, look, there's a new person. Hey, come on in. Welcome. Get to know them. Hey, that person's, that person's on the fringe over there. Hey, what's going on? Bring them on in. We need to check ourselves sometimes. Are we just loving with the human affection? Are we just loving the people that we find it easy to show affection to? Or are we loving with Christ's affection? You know, we need to be pushed to love with Christ's affection because that's what defines this place as different, what defines Christ as being the head. For those of you looking in, Now these can be people who have not done church before, do not know Christian community like those boys. Maybe you're online or maybe you're here for the first time. Unfortunately also these can be people who are in our congregations who are maybe at one of those tables and looking at another table and wish they could just go say hi but they don't feel like they can. They feel like there's a thing going on there. Or maybe you're like wandering around the restaurant and you've been wandering a while. You know when the waitresses are trying to find you a place to sit down and you're just like, oh, this is so awkward, there's nowhere to sit. Sometimes we're at churches like this and we're kind of wondering, you know, where do I, who do I talk to, where do I sit? It's a two-way street. I'm really sorry if that's been your experience. That's not the way um, I I think Jesus would have it. But we are failed human people and we do need forgiveness. Take another chance. You do actually need to ask sometimes can I sit here? You do need to kind of take that leap of faith and walk in the door. Ask if you can pull up a chair. I reckon we'd all welcome you with open arms. So I just want to finish with this verse as we reflect about what God might have for us. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Come. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. And I love being a part of this church because it is a part of that place. That being said, we're closing the book in a way on the sermon and we're moving into communion. But because I'm doing both, there's this way in which they're integrated. The imagery of sitting at the table together. Fellow believers, Christ is the head. That's exactly where the disciples were at Passover. As we prepare for communion today, let us consider the affection of Christ for us. Let us take a moment and listen to God and hear where he maybe wants to encourage us to make room, look up, or ask to take a seat. Where he maybe wants to encourage us to stand next to people and help them to learn to make room too. So, as you get your elements, we're just going to have a little moment of quiet. and And then I'll wrap it up in prayer. And then we're going to take them together because I really like doing it together. So let's just take a moment, think, and then I'll pray.